we're going to start tonight a little bit differently. I'm going to let you guys in behind the curtain on something. When it comes to preparing stuff for Wednesday night, like the message, hey, what are we going to talk about, things like that, um, there's normally, like every message is going to fall under one of three criteria, okay? Every week, letting you guys know, this is, this is what I go through, okay? So first thing of like, hey, this is what we're going to talk about tonight is, is this an answer to a question that you're asking? Right? If you're asking a question like, why am I anxious all the time? Then we're going to say, okay, cool. Tonight's message is going to be about this. We're going to look at God's word. This is how we're going to answer this. Okay? That's the first thing is usually, hey, you're asking a question. We're going to answer it through God's word. The second thing, the criteria that it might fall under is, hey, we're, it's not, maybe not a question that you're asking, but it is an answer to a question that you should be asking. Right? So when we were talking about generosity last week, when we were talking about um, you know, what happens when you mess up? Like, it, it's things like that. It's saying, hey, you might not be asking those questions now, but eventually you, you either will or you should. Then there's the third criteria. Um, and the third criteria is, hey, we're going to just open up God's word and we're going to let it tell us what it's about. Like there, there's not a hidden agenda of this is how it's going to pertain to your life or anything like that. It, it's just that, hey, this is what God's word says. And tonight is actually going to be one of those messages. Okay, I don't know what you came in here with. I don't know what struggles you're facing. I don't know what things you have going on, the stressors at school or at home or anything like that. Um, but tonight we are going to read about a story that every single person in here is familiar with. Every person has heard it or you've already read it. Um, you, if you maybe grew up in church or didn't grow up in church, you, you know what we're, like the, what we're talking about. You know about it. You know, we're talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Okay, and we could try to dial it into like something like make it PG or G rated. We, we could um, maybe try to twist it into all about something that has to do with something specific in your life. But that's just not the case. Like the, the crucifixion of Jesus is not a PG story. I'm going to try to do my best to make it like in an honorable and respectable way, like not go into all these extra graphic details. But. If we were there seeing this story happen, like, it would be traumatizing. It would not be even R-rated. It would be even, like, past that. It, but I'm not going to try to even twist it into something where it's like, hey, we're going to read this story and try to unpack it in this brand new lens. And, and it's, everyone's going to get this brand new revelation. And this is the night. Like, like I'm not even going to say that. Simply tonight is we are going to read about the death of Jesus. And so every person, uh, like, I don't know, like, every person in here has a different story, right? Every person in here has a different background of, of what you are coming into tonight with, okay? So I don't know if you grew up a church kid, right? You know this story probably better than some leaders do, right? You, you know all the verses. You know all the different places in uh, the, like, books of the Bible. Like, you know all these things, right? And so then Easter season, uh, the, the story of the death of Jesus, like, you just— in a sad way, like we're almost just numb to it. It's just another thing in the end. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you would say that you're not really like a follower of Jesus. Like you're not against God. Like you're not, you wouldn't say that you're like angry or you're maybe outright atheist. You're, you, maybe you're curious. Maybe you're just like, I don't know. We'll see what this thing's about. But you are just not fully, you've not dived in headfirst into the whole thing of following Jesus. Maybe that's you. Or Maybe you are only come to the bridge and you're only here tonight so you can hang out with people and you can have fun. 
like, I don't know why you're here now, but this is what I want every single person to know. Like, regardless of your background, regardless of why you're here, this is what tonight's going to be about, and this is the big idea, that Jesus is the sacrifice for our sins. I'm positive every single person has, has heard this sentence in some way, shape, or form before, that Jesus is the sacrifice of our sins, and that's the whole thing. I'm not trying to make this into something crazy that it's not. But we are going to read the story. This is in Mark chapter 15. Uh, so if you want to turn there, uh, go for it. Um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 15. And we are going to see, like, this whole faith thing, this whole Christianity thing, like the, the, the pinnacle of our faith. We're going to read this story. Okay, so I'm going to pray real quick. And then we're going to dive into Mark chapter 15, okay? Heavenly Father, um, God, I pray that you would speak through me, please, um, that you would just get me out of the way entirely, and we would just see what you have for us in your word. God, I pray that you would use the story of the saddest day in history um, for your glory and for our joy and the world's joy. I pray if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you personally, I pray that tonight would just be the night that you would just open their eyes to see you for who you really are. Because in Jesus' name we pray. All right. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. If you have one of these Bibles, the bright blue one, it's going to be on page 611. If you have one of the other ones that's half white, half blue, it's going to be page 695. Okay? Um, if you do have your Bible either on your phone or elsewhere, I, I'm not sure what page it is. But um, besides that, though, Mark chapter 15 is where we're going to be at. Um, if you have missed the first 14 chapters, um, let me uh, give you just a little rundown. Jesus came to the earth to serve, to, to serve humanity, to serve us. Like he, he literally is God, and he proved that he was God, the son of God, by the, the messages that he preached, the miracles that he performed, Right? We've literally been talking about the same thing over and over and over since literally, if you remember, since before Christmas. Like Jesus proved he was God by all the things that he did and, and how he claimed that, hey, I am the Messiah, the promised one, the king that has been promised for this whole first part of the book. But there's these religious leaders um, and they were like, I don't believe you. And so what they did is they bribed one of Jesus' disciples and they said, hey, find out a way that we can uh, arrest him so we can kill him. So they do just that. They, they arrest Jesus um, in secret. And so then they put him on like this Jewish trial. And there they, they say, hey, are you the Messiah? He says, yes. And so since they didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that's blasphemy, uh, blasphemy in, in their culture. And so they're like, hey, we're going to put him to death. And so then they take Jesus and they send him off to the Roman government so then they can legally kill him. And, and so Mark chapter 15, starting verse 1, this is what happens. It says, so very early in the morning, the leading priests, the elders, uh, and the teachers of the religious law, the entire high council, they met to discuss their next step. They bound Jesus. They led him away. They took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. Then the leading priest kept accusing him of many crimes, and Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer them? What about all these charges they're bringing up against you? But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. 
Now, it was the governor's custom each year during the Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone the people requested. One of the prisoners at the time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. So and then Pilate, this is verse 9, Pilate, he said, Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? Pilate asked. For he realized by now that the, um, that the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd and demanded, uh, demanded the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. Pilate asked them, then what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, crucify him. Why? Pilate demanded. What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate uh, released Barabbas to them. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, and he turned them over to the Roman soldiers to crucify him. So let's talk about crucifixion for a second. Um, we are like 2,000 years removed from this story, right? And so when, when it comes to crucifixions and whatnot, we, we just, we're a little desensitized to it. It's not, it doesn't have the same kind of weight, culturally speaking, because we just don't do it now. You know, like, like, think about it. Like, a lot of us will have, like, a cross necklace. Some people have, like, cross tattoos. Like, maybe your mama has, like, you know, a cross in the kitchen or in the entryway or something like that. It's, like, it's decoration. There's emojis of crosses. Like, there's all these things like that. But in, in their day, this would be, like, the modern equivalent of having, like, like, a hangman's noose or, like, an electric chair as, like, table decoration. Like, this isn't a, a really nice, super sweet thing of, of, like, what, like, the cross, what crucifixions meant back then. It wasn't the cool, trendy, really sweet, all, like, man, I just get some, all these warm butterflies when I see the image of crucifixion. Like, uh, I was doing a bunch of research, and ancient historians, they said that to die, like, by crucifixion, it was, quote, the most brutal and shameful ways of death. Um, crucifixion is not like a, a strictly Roman thing. So it was invented around like 600 B.C. by like Persians and Babylonians and all these other things. And it was changed throughout the years. And then once the Romans picked it up and they used it, uh, ancient historians actually say that uh, they perfected it. Like they perfected how to crucify Jesus. And so what do I mean by perfected? It means that, like, first of all, before we go into that, like, uh, like Romans would never crucify hardly ever Roman citizens. It was too disgusting, embarrassing, and shameful to crucify Roman citizens. They only crucified slaves, disgraced soldiers, or foreigners. That was it. And uh, to make this point, uh, of how it's like this is a hideous, shameful way to do. This goes into the perfected side, is that if the point of a crucifixion was to make a statement, this person is disgraced, then what they did is they figured out all the ways to make the process as long and horrendous as possible. They, it wasn't like a quick death. It, they literally 
perfected the way of, hey, we're going to count the amount of times we can whip you. Hey, we're going we're gonna to do everything from the placement of the nails to everything so that this can be as miserable as possible. Every single thing was calculated so that it was a statement. If you died by crucifixion, it meant something. So what happened? What would happen? Uh, you would start by, if you were going to die by crucifixion, you were tied to a post. And from there, they would have a soldier, or multiple soldiers, either physically beat you up and possibly include getting whipped by what they call a cat of nine tails. So a, a cat of nine tails is kind of this, it's a fancy whip that has nine different pointers at the end of it. And at the end of the whip, they would tie pieces of glass, pieces of broken pottery, pieces of bone, so that you weren't just whipped and get slashed. No, like the pieces would dig into your body so they could rip it apart. You would be mutilated so your friends and family wouldn't even recognize you. That's where they started. Once you got done with that, then you would carry the, the cross beam, wood piece of the cross. They, they'd had the pole already in the, the dirt where you were going to go. And so you were responsible for carrying the cross part up to the place that you were going to die. This cross part would probably be a little bit over 100 pounds. And from there, you would carry that at least, usually, six football fields, about 600 yards. You had to carry that the whole way, even after losing all the blood that you did, and you're exhausted. And so what Romans did is they added this rule. They say, hey, if, if we saw that you were going to die on your way, we would send someone to, from the crowd randomly to help you carry that cross because there's no fun in you dying in the road. No, we want to finish this thing out. So they would pull random people from the crowd to help you carry that cross to your place. Once you got there, they would then attach the, the cross beam onto the pole. And from there, they would tie your hands and your feet to the cross. And they would take almost like the size of railroad spikes. Have you ever seen them? They're about this long. And then they would nail them into your arm. So when, when it says in, in the Bible that it, they nailed uh, the, the things through Jesus' hands, the, the word in Greek for hand is all the way from the tip of the finger to the elbow. So it's literally any part in here. You, they did all these science things to figure out historically what did that mean. And, and the, they found out that if you went through the palm of the hand, because of the body weight, you would slip through it. So they went for the wrist instead because there's more bone that they could break through there. So that way you wouldn't fall through. So we're talking, they, they nailed these horrific, horrible, like, like these massive nails, spikes through the wrist, through the forearm. So that way you could be held to the wooden post while they lifted you up. And they would nail your feet together, one on top of the other, so that you still, you wouldn't be flailing around so you could get off. So then they would lift you up. I forgot to mention this, but on top of just all of the pain of that, while you carried that cross to your death place, they stripped you absolutely naked so that you were not just in pain, but embarrassed. So then they would lift you up. They would tie your hands and everything like that so you were still able to, it, horrific, in a way, like be able to lift up on your body so you could hold your body weight up there. And the most common ways that people would die would be either one from blood loss or, believe it or not, it was actually from suffocation. 
You see, what happens is when you're on a cross, you can't hold your body weight forever. So you slip. All, imagine all that pain like in your arms and in your feet. You, it, you're too heavy. So you would slip. And when you slip and you, you lay down, that collapses your lungs and you can't breathe. And so then what literally what would happen is in order for them to breathe, they would push up on all the nails and all their body weight so they could take a breath and then fall back down. When, again, when I say that the Romans perfected crucifixion, they got it down to a science. So typically, a person who was going to die from crucifixion would survive for days on a cross. This is what Jesus went through. This isn't, this isn't no, like, soft, warm feeling it was, where Easter's all about the Easter bunny and getting some good chocolate. No, like, this was the saddest, most painful way that any single person in the world could ever die. And so the question we have to be asking is why on earth would Jesus do this? Why, like, like literally, it was, crucifixes were so bad, they had to outlaw it in Rome because it was, it was literally too bad. Why would Jesus do this? And the answer is because Jesus is and he was the sacrifice for our sins. And this only makes sense. This sentence only makes sense if you understand who God is and who we are. So who's God? Like, the Bible is really clear that it says that God is love. He's holy in everything. He's perfect. He's without sin. He's without blemish. He is so kind. He's gracious. He, he's just perfect. But the Bible also says that we are sinners. It says that we all have sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We're not perfect. Our sin, our rebellion against God is what has separated us from God. And so we, we want to think then, okay, well then can't God, just at the snap of his fingers, just forgive us? Well, why not? Like, why can't he just do that? If he is love, why can't he just fix it really quickly? And this is then the hard part, this is a weird like dichotomy of this, is that if he was to do that, then he wouldn't be just. Right? You guys have either heard the news, seen TikTok, you do, like there's some horrific stuff that's happened in the news. And horrific stuff that's happened in the news last week and the week before that. And the week before, like, like just look at the news. If you don't know what's gone in the news, like ask your parents. There is sad stuff happening in our world right now. And so when we see that, there is something innate in us that's, that's God-given where we should cry out, be like, God, where's the justice? God, can you stop that? Hey, God, can you punish that person? But here's, here is then the, the part that is the hardest pill to swallow. Is when we cry out, hey, where is the justice, God? We usually think of justice as in that person deserves to be, like, should be punished. But then my sin, like, I would really prefer the, the quick forgiveness. But at the end of the day, sin is sin. And all sin has separated us from God. And all sin is needing to be punished by God. Because either if God doesn't punish that sin, then he's not loving. Because he's not just. Right? And so, what happens? Like if, if sin is needing to be punished in order for God to be just, 
in order for God to love his people, to protect his people, in order to punish sin, like, then what's the whole point then with Jesus? And this is the whole reason. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? It's one of the most famous verses ever. It says that, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son and that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So God sent his son Jesus uh, to, to be, and I'm going to use a big word, uh, we'll define it and stuff, but the, the word that we're going to use is called propitiation, okay? Propitiation. It's in your Bible, it's in some Bibles and stuff, but it is a word that we are going to define real quick. This is what propitiation means. It is a sacrifice that turns God's wrath away by offering a gift. That's what propitiation means. It, it, it's a sacrifice that turns God's wrath away by offering a gift. So then we should think then, okay, well, all right. If, if how we turn God's wrath away is by giving God like a gift, well, then let's do it. I'll just be really good. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do the extra credit thing on Wednesday night. I might be a good person like at school. Like I'm going to read my Bible. I'll do some dishes. I'll take the trash out. I'll be kind to my siblings. I'll walk the dog. Like I'll, I'll help the old lady across the street. If I could just do enough good things, that's a good enough gift to offer God. Because in that way, God's wrath, God's anger towards rebellion could be satisfied. is no way on earth, no way that any of us could ever be good enough to pay for our sin. Like, we've sinned, we've rebelled against God, an eternal holy being, and so there's never going to be enough good things that we could do to satisfy the eternal wrath of God. And this is then the hard part. This is like, okay, well, well shoot. How, does, how is God's wrath satisfied? Like, how can we take care of this? How can I, like you know, be in a good standing with God because I can't do it on my own. And that's the whole point of Jesus. That's literally the whole point of Jesus. And this is the wildest thing is because it's God's wrath. God's angry at our rebellion, but God is love. Not just Jesus, God loves us. The Father loves us. And he loves us so much that he sent Jesus. He sent the offering to satisfy his own wrath. It's wild, it's crazy, I don't really get it a whole lot, but that's the, how it works. There's only one way that God's anger could be satisfied, and it's through Jesus. Jesus could be good enough. Jesus could be the perfect offering, the sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. So let me, let me quote a guy, he's way smarter than I am, so I'm just going to quote him. His name is Legan Duncan, this is what he says. In the Bible, propitiation is not something we provide to God to get right with him again. It is something that God provides to us that way we may be justly and mercifully forgiven and accepted. And he does this at his own expense through the loving gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Like the wrath of God can only be satisfied by Jesus. Jesus is the only one who could have paid that debt. And that's why it's horrific that he had to die the most embarrassing, shameful, and painful way to die. Jesus, he went through all of that so that your sin, 
so that my sin, so that your friend's sin, so your parents' sin, your siblings' sin, uh, just even the sin of the person you've never met before, so that their sin can be forgiven. This is what John, 1 John 2, 2 says. It says that he, talking about Jesus, is the propitiation for our own sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And this is then the whole point of like, hey, as we're going to close, like, what does this mean? What do we, what do, we do with this? Well, so what? If you are a follower of Jesus, one, we should be horribly heartbroken and sad about what had to go through. But the challenge is this. Who's the last person you told that? Who's the last person you told that? Hey, the only way to be made right with God is by the forgiveness of Jesus. Who's the last person you told? Because here's the thing. Like, if, if your friend, your family member, your, your cousin, your buddy, if, if that person never surrenders their life to Jesus and trusts in faith that God really is who he said he is, that person is not buddies with God. That person, like, the anger and the wrath of God for their rebellion is still on that person. And it won't ever go until they are made right with God through Jesus. So one, like, if you're a believer, like, man, we have so many things we can thank God for. But we also have a, a mission now to, hey, God's propitiation is not just for us, it's for our buddies too. Because here's the other thing. If you're here and you have never trusted Jesus, you never surrendered your life to Jesus, to be like, hey, Jesus, you're the king, you're the Lord of my life. And you've begged and pleaded, God, will you forgive me? I deserve wrath. Why on earth would you forgive me? But God, will you? God will gladly do it because he is still love. He, is re- he has all the forgiveness and, and everything there for you, but you have to be like, God, will you forgive me? If you have never asked God to forgive you, you're not good with God. That's just the truth. You are not buddies with God. Let's do this, though. Know Jesus. Come on, like, this is not meant to scare you or terrify you or anything like that. It's meant to be sober, though, and, and be like, have this reminder being like, yeah. The death of Jesus, like Easter, like Good Friday, is only good because Jesus rose again and we can get forgiveness. Good Friday is the saddest day in all of human history because our Savior, the only one who was sinless, died for us. Let's go tell people that so they can also be forgiven by Jesus. But if you have never been forgiven by Jesus, please, please, please talk to me. Talk to any small group leader. Talk to anyone here that's a leader. And I promise you, it will make their world if you ask them, hey, what, how, do I, how do I do this? Okay? Let me pray that we would. Heavenly Father, God, we can never thank you enough. God, we could never thank you enough for sending Jesus to die for us. You're so worthy of of all of our praise and all of our gratitude and all of our thanks and worship forever and ever and ever because of what you did. 
I pray right now that if there's anyone in here that doesn't know you, God, I pray that tonight would be the night that they would be curious, that they would be restless, that they wouldn't sleep tonight, that they, they wouldn't know that you would remind them that they're not good with you. But God, I pray that if there's anyone here that is a follower of you, we're sold out, we're committed, we're, we, we have trusted in faith that you are our savior, our forgiver, our king, everything. God, I pray that we would just be encouraged and emboldened by your Holy Spirit to go tell that forgiveness is not just for us, it's for them too. God, I pray that we would go. I pray you'd send more people to go. And I pray that through your death on the cross, through your burial and through your resurrection, God, I pray that you would get all of the glory. I pray that we would get the joy. And I pray that the world would get the glory. 